Welcome to Alabama Short Stories, when you're a little behind on your Alabama history. I'm your host, Sean Wright. When I was growing up, my grandparents lived in Pritchard, Alabama, and they eventually moved to 8 Mile, which, as the name tells you, is 8 Miles from Mobile. This was in the 1970s, and there was not much in 8 Mile in the eyes of this youth. I haven't been there in decades, so things may have changed, but at the time it seemed as if there were only open lots, long vacant roads, industrial fencing, and Mobile College. I'm not sure if it was planned, but it seemed only fitting that my grandparents, the good Baptists they were, would move right down the road from the Southern Baptist-affiliated University of Mobile, as it is now known. I turned 16 years old in 1979, and the year before, my grandfather was teaching me how to drive on the roads of 8 Mile. As a man who survived Pearl Harbor, he was utterly unfazed that his life was in my hands. We were driving on one of those long, vacant roads when I noticed a chain-link fence, and behind it was some large white boxes or pods stacked on top of each other. They looked out of place, and they seemed very familiar. These boxes were white. The top and bottom edges on the front and back were beveled, and a large open window extended the length of each box. Each box had blue and red stripes on them. They looked so out of place, and then it hit me. These looked like they came from the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, in the scene where the scientists met the aliens. These pods were control towers placed around the edge of the Alien Welcome Center constructed at the base of Devil's Tower in Wyoming. This movie was fresh in my mind, having seen it recently in the theater. Close Encounters was released in 1977 and was a huge success. It was written and directed by a young Steven Spielberg, fresh off his blockbuster movie Jaws. And it starred Richard Dreyfuss, who incidentally was in the movie Jaws. Dreyfuss had heard all about the film during the filming of Jaws and campaigned hard to get the starring role, eventually convincing Steven Spielberg to cast him. John Williams wrote the soundtrack and the iconic five-note score that became synonymous with the film. He had written the score for Jaws and Star Wars, released the same year as Close Encounters. And I bet you can hear the music from the opening credits playing in your head right now. But why would those props be in of all places mobile? I never went back to see if those pods were from the movie, but what else could they be? And who would have shipped them from Hollywood to sit in a lot outside of Mobile? I went on with my life, but I never forgot about those pods. The story of Close Encounters of a Third Kind follows Roy Neary, an Indiana electric lineman who has a close encounter with a UFO and how it changes his life. UFO researcher J. Allen Hynek categorized the levels of encounters with the UFO in his 1972 book, The UFO Experience, A Scientific Inquiry. A close encounter of the first kind is when a person witnesses an unidentified flying object. A close encounter of the second kind is when there is some interference with a vehicle or electrical device. Maybe someone has a physical reaction to this close encounter. Scorched earth or affected vegetation would be of the second kind. The third kind is when an alien is present. Roy Neary gets to experience all three types. The majority of filming would take place in Burbank, California and Mobile, Alabama, and no one was more surprised than the citizens of Mobile. There are a lot of places in the U.S. that filmmakers could have chosen, but none of them had two enormous empty plane hangars like those at the closed Brooklyn Air Force Base in Mobile. 
there was not a studio large enough to contain the UFO mothership planned for the movie's final scene. Native Californians descended on Mobile to experience what Summer Heat was all about in 1976. Mobile officials and citizens were baffled by the attention their city was receiving, but they were thankful. Unemployment was at an all-time high. Mobile was a center for World War II production and employed thousands of people, and once the war ended, the jobs went away and the area suffered from high unemployment. The newly created United States Air Force took over Brookley Field in 1947 and became an important economic engine for the region. My grandfather, who I mentioned earlier, worked at Brookley Field after retiring from the Navy. Unfortunately, good things come to an end, which came via retribution from President Johnson. In the 1964 presidential election, Alabama citizens voted for Barry Goldwater, and Johnson punished the state by closing Brookley Air Force Base. Incoming President Richard Nixon confirmed the base's closure to save money due to the Vietnam War. The base was finally closed in June 1969. Hollywood actors such as Melinda Dillon, Terry Garr, Francois Truffaut, and Bob Balaban starred with Dreyfus, but local actors also appeared. Locals were used as extras throughout the movie. They were aboard trains at a train station in Baymanet and in the alien encounter scene at the movie's end. The small aliens that descended from the spacecraft ramp were played by young girls wearing alien costumes from a mobile dance company. Some locals even had minor speaking parts, like Mary Gaffrey, who played Roy Neary's next-door neighbor, Mrs. Harris. While everyone did a great job, none stood out as much as Carrie Guffey, a child actor from Douglasville, Georgia. Carrie was just three years old and turned four during the production. He played Melinda Dillon's son, who aliens abducted. Guffey was a natural talent and would deliver a great performance in just one or two takes. Anyone who's ever had a three-year-old child should be blown away by this. Maybe it's just me, but I couldn't get my three-year-old to pose for a picture, much less do multiple takes in a movie. So where are they now? Spielberg wrote and directed some of our favorite movies from the past three decades. Richard Dreyfuss and the other actors would continue to do outstanding work. Bob Balaban is in almost every movie I watch. He's everywhere. Google his name. You'll know him. Gary Guffey would be cast in movies and TV, last appearing in the miniseries North and South in 1985. He would leave acting at the ripe old age of 12. After high school graduation, Guffey would attend the University of Florida and then Jacksonville State University where he earned his MBA. He's a financial planner with PNC Investments in Birmingham, Alabama. Movie Aliens came to Mobile and Brookley Field in 1976, but a quarter of a century earlier, Brookley had its own encounter of the first kind. Between 1950 and 1954, a series of UFO sightings prompted the Air Force to open Project Blue Book and investigate these and other occurrences around the nation. The August 28, 1952 sighting was noteworthy because it was confirmed on radar. Something was there, they just don't know what. Hollywood coming to Mobile was a good thing for everyone involved. Soon after, the Mobile Film Authority was created to liaise between the film industry and the local community. Seeing a good thing, the Alabama Film Office was established so the rest of the state could take advantage of film productions looking for a great place to film. Close Encounters of the Third Kind were nominated for an Oscar in nine different categories at the 1978 Academy Awards. 
the film would win two Oscars for Best Cinematography and Sound Effects Editing. Richard Dreyfuss and John Williams would also win Oscars that year. Dreyfuss was Best Actor for Goodbye Girl, and Williams ran against himself and won with the original score for Star Wars. Today, Brooklyn Field is home to the downtown Mobile Airport and Airbus, where they assemble and deliver Airbus commercial aircraft worldwide. When they cleared the hangars after Hollywood left town, items were sold to locals as scrap and as movie memorabilia. And those boxes, the pods I noticed in 8 Mile, those were props from the movie. I am proud to announce that the book Alabama Short Stories Volume 1 is now available at Amazon.com. It features the first three season stories of the podcast in book form. It's a perfect gift for that friend or family member who just doesn't want to listen to a podcast. It's also great for podcast fans who want pictures with their stories. And it's a perfect gift for that hard-to-buy person in your life. You know who they are. Now get them the book. It's available as paperback, hardback, or Kindle version. Not only will it make your life better, but it will help us to continue to produce this podcast. It's a win-win. You can find a link at alabamashortstories.com or search Alabama Short Stories on Amazon.com. Order yours today.